Good afternoon, High Point family. This is Justin Gray here from the Nashville Every Nation office. And I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I wanna to thank Pastor Andy and the team for allowing me the unique privilege of sharing the word with you today. Uh, before we get into the word, I just wanna pray for us quickly um, before we actually read our text and get into the message. So pray with me. Father, we're grateful for this day. We're grateful for your presence and your spirit here with us. Lord, even though there might be distance uh, between one another in terms of our corporate gatherings, Lord, we know that you're continuing to meet us. And Lord, we ask now that you would sanctify us in the truth for your word is truth. And Lord, we'll be grateful and we will continue to give you praise. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Well. I am, again, excited to be with you guys today. Uh, Pastor Andy asked me if I would share the word. And I have been meditating on some passages of scripture that I studied before. And there was one particular passage that stood out to me some time ago that kind of hit me in a fresh way, considering all that's going on in our world and our culture. And that's this idea about worship and spiritual growth. Now, some of you might be thinking, what is worship in terms of worship music or singing or uh, these kind of elements that we would experience corporately have to do with spiritual growth? And I think that this passage of scripture that we're going to read today really highlights and accentuates ultimately what God is after in terms of our heart for him and our worship relationship with him and how through that we continue to grow in our relationship with God and with one another. So I'm going to read this passage of scripture. It comes from Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 21. And it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I want to read that particular passage again. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before we really get into this text, we just need a little bit of understanding of who Paul is writing to and what's going on during this time. So Paul writes this letter to Ephesians, and really we see it as being set against the dark pagan backdrop of the Ephesian culture. You know, one of the things about Ephesus is that we know from certain passages of scripture in context that um, this was a place of occult practices. And you just, they, people had this fascination uh, with magic. And we know this from Luke's account, particularly in Acts chapter 19, when Paul is on his missionary journey to Ephesus. And it says that the power of God was coming in through the entrance of the gospel and just routing out demonic activity. We see people being delivered and, and all these wonderful things happening. And so Paul is writing to this very diverse group of people and Paul is exhorting them to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, um, 
he's also ex- ex- explaining to them what it means to keep unity in faith. And so, again, when we think about this passage of scripture, um, we have to understand that worship is probably a bit more than what we actually interpret it to be. Um, one of the things that's really interesting as we look at this is I believe that God wants to speak to us about this present time and how he wants to work in us a deeper sensitivity for his presence and how we can continue to grow with one another. So one of the first things that shows up in this passage of scripture is where it says addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So what we see here is that worship is as much about community as it is individuality. See, Paul was interested in the believers in Ephesus growing in their relationship with God and each other, specifically with an eye on being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. He understood that individual spiritual religious activities would not be enough to strengthen the church, especially in a spiritually dark place like Ephesus. You know, another place where we're reminded of this idea of, you know, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, or this idea of addressing one another in general, is in the passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter six. And this is a very familiar passage of scripture. I wanna read it to you. It's verses one through three. Tell me if you can remember this one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You might have remembered this passage of scripture and it's very, very familiar. And you know, so often um, when I would hear this passage of scripture, I would think to myself, wow, isn't that amazing that these angelic beings um, are worshiping God? And what an amazing experience it had to be for Isaiah to be in the manifest presence of God in the throne room, beholding his temple and the train of his robe and all of this powerful imagery that we have in this passage. But one of the details that escaped me for quite some time, and it really wasn't until recently that I saw this, is it says that those angelic beings were calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, which means that those angelic beings were not necessarily addressing God, but ultimately addressing one another and the truth of God to one another. So again, this speaks to this idea of worship involving addressing one another and being about community. You know, so often we think of religious experiences and worship in particular as this individual experience where we close our eyes and we lift our hands and we sing the songs and we are uh, just uh, taken aback by the presence of God and just um, spending this time and and this uh, this this intimacy, this uh, this deep uh, relationship with Him through worship, not realizing that God is counting worship 
also when we speak the truth one to another on an ongoing basis. So it's helpful for us to understand that worship ultimately isn't just singing songs to God and addressing him directly, but worship also involves what we rehearse to one another. So that begs the question, who in our lives are we regularly sharing and rehearsing the truth of God with? I believe that in this time, particularly when we're looking at you know, this pandemic and, and how much we feel disconnected and maybe even isolated to a certain degree, we still have the opportunity to worship God, not just in our homes with songs and with video and all these other resources that we're engaging, but also in spending the time with one another to rehearse the goodness, the majesty, the power, the incredible nature of who God is. And there's something about us reflecting that one to another that strengthens us, empowers us, and causes us to live in that life full of the spirit that Paul is mentioning here. So number one, worship involves addressing one another. The next thing that we see in this passage, um, just a little bit after he references the, the hymns and spiritual songs and singing, but he says, making melody to the Lord with your heart. So we see that Number two, worship is to the Lord. Now, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, Justin, I mean, that's obvious. I mean, who else would, would worship be to? But there's something for us to see here. See, Paul is making this emphatic statement that worship was intended exclusively for the Lord because effective worship needs a target. And for every Christ follower, the target of worship is the one God in three persons. You know, Paul is exhorting these Jesus followers that their worship belongs exclusively to the one true God, that nothing should take their attention from their obedience to God and to their life found in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The act of worship is much like a mirror, and this is a way I like to think about it. It's like a mirror, and we ultimately reflect what we behold. So Paul is trying to focus them, center them in to see that in the midst of a pagan environment where they're being pulled in all kinds of directions, their affections have to be set on God and on God alone. We see another passage of scripture that kind of underscores this idea. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this is from the Lord, who is the spirit. And as people, you know, we're prone to wander. Um, I find myself at times being distracted. Uh, I find myself at times wanting to find the thing that is going to draw me closer to God and a notification pops up or a kid asks about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something goes on in my house that that just takes takes me away from getting that personal, individual, um, uh, a rich time with God, that devotion. And we have to contend for the fact that in the deepest parts of who we are, worship is to the Lord. It's not to the things that we have. It's not even to the people in our lives. It's not even into maintaining the kind of comforts that we enjoy. 
but it's ultimately to the Lord. The next thing that they that we see in that little passage of scripture there is it says to the Lord with your heart. And I just mentioned the heart a second ago and worship being from the heart was underscored by an experience that I had. Uh, this might've been well over a year now, but I was sitting in a worship service at, uh, at our church here in Nashville, uh, Bethel World Outreach Church. And we had invited a guest choir to come in to sing with uh, a special guest lead vocalist. And these guys were incredible. They travel all over the world to, to sing and to, to bring joy and expression of worship um, uh, to, to different churches. And I remember sitting in this service and maybe you've had experiences like this where the singing and the music is so good that you just feel taken up like into the throne room. Like you feel like you're in the presence of God and you're covered in goosebumps. And, you know, there's these chilling notes being sung and all these other things that are just stirring your soul and causing you to draw deeper and deeper into understanding who God is and glorifying him. But something happened in that service that I won't ever forget. And it really did mark me in terms of this idea of worship being to the Lord from the heart. I was sitting and I was watching the uh, songs being sung. And there was a woman on stage that captured my attention. And, I, and it was because she was doing something very unique. She was actually a signer. Someone who would minister the songs to those who can't speak or can't hear. And so what we often see is that much like uh, we have the opportunity for those of us who are able to vocalize and able to, to hear what's being sung, in a similar way, the signer is articulating something to the people who are present that maybe don't have those same faculties, but have the opportunity to worship the Lord in their own way. And what was staggering to me as I watched this woman sign, it was as if the Lord was speaking to me and saying, Justin, haven't you noticed? Even though she is not worshiping in the same way that you do, she is worshiping nonetheless. And it is as effective and as powerful as you opening up your mouth or doing any of the other things that you can give expression to. And what I realized in that moment is exactly what Paul is referring to here, that worship is more than our ability to articulate, to sing, to raise our hands, to do all these other things, but it's really in the heart. This woman was filled with the knowledge of God and with her heart and adoration and her affection set upon him with motions and all these other things that I couldn't understand, but somebody out there in the audience could. She was worshiping the Lord. And in the Greek, in this particular passage, uh, in the Greek, it literally means making melody in the heart of you or in your innermost being to the Lord. So Paul, Paul again, is making this identifier. He's saying true worship is really an all or nothing proposal because it requires the very core of your being. It is at the center. It is, it is how the center of who you are is oriented toward him. Your attitude, your relationships, your work, your service, your, your devotional time. God wants to inhabit every square inch of my life and of your life. It's always been his intention to fill our lives with his presence by his spirit. 
But as you know, we've picked up some bad habits, haven't we? Uh, we find ourselves torn and pulled in all different kinds of directions. And really, we think that the more we can arrange our lives and make comfort for ourselves, the more we will be able to worship. But really what we figure out is that life is not about comfort, but life is about growth. Even where we are right now in the midst of this pandemic, God is calling us to grow in our worship relationship with him. Though it seems like the whole world is being turned upside down and shaken, there's still a unique opportunity to engage God in the innermost being of who we are and to allow that to flow into every single aspect of what we say, what we think, and what we do. And clearly Ephesus was a place where there were unique challenges. I mean, listen to some of the language in this particular passage. Um, they use words like evil days and foolishness and drunkenness and debauchery. And in addition to what we know in Acts 19 of all the occult practices and being surrounded by this kind of pressure for these Ephesians, these people who are in the church in Ephesus, it would have required that there would be deep sense of connection and worship and obedience and faith at work. And every single person, this kind of worship would not just take them captive, but also move through them into the dark world around them. And I know that we're experiencing our own pressures right now. And as I conclude and draw us back to this idea of worship being to one another, worship being to the Lord exclusively, worship being in our hearts and in our innermost being. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit right now to just recalibrate you, to take a minute and reflect on maybe how you've become consumed or distracted or discouraged, or you found yourself in a position of isolation. Maybe you're not rehearsing the truth of God. Maybe you're not sharing your testimony. Maybe you're not declaring his glorious work and purpose in your life with those around you. But this is an opportunity for us as we move to prayer to be reignited with that passion, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, for God to do something far beyond our comprehension as we engage him in a lifestyle of worship, because we want to grow. We want to grow into his image and likeness because that is our purpose and our calling. So I want you to pray with me as we close. Father, we're so grateful. We're grateful for your word that admonishes us. Lord, we're grateful for your word that comforts and redirects us. God, and most of all, we're grateful that you gave your son that we might enter into the most holy place with you. That we don't have to be afraid Lord, that the veil has been torn and you have allowed us the kind of audience and intimacy that some people never had a chance to fully experience. But we do because of what Jesus has done. God, would you help us to take advantage of those opportunities that we have to spend time in, de in devotion with you? Lord, to, to, to press pause and to acknowledge the incredible work of your spirit. And Lord, would you help us to continue to live lives, lives that glorify you and are edifying to others. We bless you and we thank you for this time and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.